All right, well, I wonder if you can remember a time uh, in your life that maybe you got into a little bit of credit card debt. You were in a little bit over your head. And maybe it wasn't your own fault, or maybe it was. Maybe you lost a job unexpectedly or something like that. Uh, you know, maybe you got laid off. Maybe you're in between jobs and you had to pay the rent with a credit card or utilities or something like that. And, and boy, it can, man, flashing that plastic, it can get up there to your credit limit pretty quick, especially if you're in between jobs or, or something like that, some circumstances like that. But what are the consequences? There's a few. There's some consequences when you're in a, a spot like that in your life. Um, you have to make payments. So obviously, you got to pay the credit card company, right? And then you have to continue to make the payments as well. Maybe, you know, you get your job back or whatever, and you continue to make payments. But sometimes money's short for the holidays or birthday gifts or something like that. You know, it, it makes you a slave to the credit card company. It really does. It makes you a slave to the credit card company. Or maybe another thought, maybe you're on the other side of the coin, and, and you've maybe had a debt that has been forgiven you for one reason or another. I know that happens sometimes with hospital bills. When, when you have something and, and they huge hospital bills, sometimes they defer that and they relieve part of that debt to you. So the question you're probably thinking about now is why is he talking about credit card debt and money when we should be talking about forgiveness, for gosh sakes? Good question. Jesus used financial debt as a metaphor and a parable that he told in the book of Matthew. And so I'm going to be heading to the book of Matthew, so if you want to fire up your device, go right ahead. I'm going to be heading to Matthew chapter 18 here in a moment. Uh, If you didn't get notes, there's notes. There's a couple notes still available uh, in the paper form, but there's also notes on the app. If you're a part of the Connect app, there's notes there, and you can take notes and email them to yourself. It's a great way to uh, stay connected uh, with our teaching time. So Matthew chapter 18 is where Jesus starts off and he talks about this parable. And and here's how the conversation starts. Matthew 18, I'm going to be starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to him, Jesus, and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? So think about Peter for a minute. For those of you that maybe know about Peter, he's a little bit of a hothead. Obviously, he had a situation in his life going on. And he's like, and he thought maybe seven was a really large number. Should I forgive somebody, I don't know, let's say seven times? And Jesus says this. He goes, no, not even seven. And, and Peter was probably smiling. He's like, all right, Jesus is going to say like one or two. This is going to be awesome. And Jesus doesn't. No, Jesus replies, but 70 times seven. And Peter probably was like, I'm a fisherman. I don't really do math real quick, but that's probably like 490. I don't know. 490? I can't wait for 491, right? Then I don't have to forgive. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying you should always continue to forgive, right? But then he goes, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared. And so Jesus goes into this parable, and he talks about this king. And this king was very wealthy, very rich, And he had a lot of servants, a lot of people that worked for him. And evidently, they were pretty well off, too, because there was this one particular servant that actually owed millions back to the king. And so Jesus talks about this king, and he wants to settle up these debts, and he's going to go to all of the debtors, all of the servants that are working for him, that he has an outstanding debt with. 
And he gets to this one guy and he owes him millions of dollars, the Bible says. And the guy's like, I can't pay you. There's just no way. And so the king gets a little ticked off and he's like, well, the only recourse I have is to sell you into slavery. Not, not just you, but your whole family and all your children and everybody, the whole king caboodle, because I got to recoup part of this bill that you owe me, man. It's millions of dollars. And the guy's like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. That's just not affecting me. It's affecting my whole family. So he falls at his knees and he's like, please, master, forgive me. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you back. I'll do whatever you need me to do, but I'll just, I'll pay it back. I will. And the king has pity on the debtor, on the servant. He's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'm going to forgive your whole debt. Go. You're good. And so, unbelievable. This guy was just, I mean, given millions of dollars, and now he doesn't have to pay it back. So he goes out feeling pretty good about himself, and, and he comes across one of his buddies. I don't know. They were probably out at the grocery store or whatever, and he's like, hey, don't you owe me some money? And the guy's like, yeah, you know, and, and it was like thousands of dollars. And he's like, well, you know what? I, I need that money right now. You got to pay me right now. And the dude's like, no, I don't, I don't have the money to pay you. Just give me some time. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you the thousands of dollars that I owe you. And the guy's like, nope, that's not good enough. So he throws this person into jail, in the prison. Well, a few of his other buddies find out of what's going on. He's like, they're like, they get together and they're like, this isn't right. The king just forgave this dude. Let's call him Phil. I don't know. <laughs> Phil. All right. I don't know. I, I hope we don't have a Phil here. I'm sorry if we do. All right. So Phil was, you know, millions of bucks. But now, you know, Brian over here, he's threw him in jail. What's going on? So they go to the king and they're like, all right, this is what went down. The king was furious. And we come all the way down to the verse, uh, let me see, verse 31. Some of the other servants saw what was going on, and they were super upset, like I made mention. They went to the king, and they told him. Then the king called the man who had been forgiven this large debt, and he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous amount because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you that's an interesting story that Jesus tells about forgiveness he uses this story about money and debt to describe what happens when we do not forgive what does this debt do well we're talking about forgiveness and what Jesus is talking about here is this, this debt of unforgiveness is a debt that hangs around our necks. Next. We become a slave to whomever we are not forgiving. And that's what Jesus is telling in this story. Proverbs talks about this a little bit too, about being a slave. Proverbs 22.7 says, The borrower is a slave of the lender. Talking about money as well. But Jesus used money to talk about forgiveness, and I thought that was really tricky of him to do. So this still, the same thought applies. The borrower is the slave of the lender. Matthew 18, continuing on in verse 34, we read kind of the end of the story here. Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. 
That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Wow. That's pretty heavy. He was tortured until he paid his entire debt. You know, that tortured word is really interesting, and I looked it up in the Greek, and it means oppressed as well. Doesn't mean he's going to be on this all strung out on a rack and stuff. No, it means that he's oppressed. He'll be tortured and oppressed. Our unforgiveness tortures us. Our unforgiveness oppresses us is what Jesus is saying here. I have a quote from the director of the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry in Redding, California. His name's Chris, and he says this, unforgiveness is the number one reason why Christians are oppressed. Unforgiveness is the number one reason why Christians are oppressed. I want to unpack that thought with us here today for the time that we have remaining. We, we call it the big idea, the main thought, maybe a takeaway, however verbiage you want to assign to it. But our big idea today is this. Unforgiveness makes you a debt slave. Unforgiveness makes you a debt slave. I want to remind all of us of our favorite definition of forgiveness. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Forgiveness is releasing the debt you believe they owe you. Releasing the debt you believe someone else owes you. That's how we've defined forgiveness. And so basically what we've talked about the last couple weeks is that forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness sets you free. And if you hang on to unforgiveness... Today, I'm saying you're going to be a debtor. But when you forgive, you will be free of that debt. And that's where we want to land today. You can be a debtor or you can be a free person. It all depends on how you deal with people that you think owe you a debt. The bottom line today is the choice is yours and the choice is mine. How I respond to this issue of forgiveness. And I want to remind us that forgiveness is a process. We talked about that recently, too, in the last couple of weeks, is that it's a process. It's like peeling away layers of an onion. There's always a new layer there. There's always something else that we need to deal with. So I want to invite each one of us to open up our minds and our hearts and our spirits today to the possibility that there might be some more work that each one of us has to do in this area of forgiveness. And if you've been working hard on the forgiveness process, it will serve you well and we'll continue to work hard today as we go through our teaching time. Now I'm going to share three ways with you today that unforgiveness makes you a debt slave. It makes you a debt slave to God, to others, and to hypocrisy. And we're going to talk about each one of those here as we unpack that today. So the first one, unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to God. God. God did not create us to be debtors. God created us to be freely forgiven. And Jesus made that clear that God expects 
forgiven people to forgive others. I'm going to repeat that. God expects forgiven people to forgive others. Refusing to forgive is refusing to obey God. Refusing to forgive is refusing to obey God. God requires, he thrives on our obedience. And this is part of it. And Jesus' disciples actually echoed part of this teaching as well. We see John, the Apostle John in 1 John says this, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. I think that's remarkable. Let's break that down a little bit. We are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. So if we refuse to forgive when we know God is wanting us to forgive, we just made that apparent by reading what Jesus said, right? We are not practicing the truth. We're not obeying God's truth. We're not practicing truth at all. If we have unforgiveness in our heart, we are disobeying and we find ourselves in spiritual darkness is what John says. I don't know if you've ever been in spiritual darkness. I have. I've been there. I've been in spiritual darkness before. It's not a good place. And what I mean by that is spiritual darkness, kind of to define it, is it's a time in my life when I'm maybe praying, but man, my prayers just kind of feel like they're not being heard. You might also describe it as the wilderness. We talked about the wilderness in our last study. Talked about being in the wilderness and stuff. And that's kind of what it's like. It's being in the wilderness, being in the desert. Now, I'm not saying you're there because of unforgiveness, but I'm not saying you're not. Maybe you are. I don't know if maybe if you've ever thought about that before. God, why is it so difficult to pray? Why? I just don't feel like I'm getting any headway, making through. I read the Bible and it's just... It's not illuminated to my mind. Why not? Well, one of the reasons might be is that you have some unforgiveness in your heart. That's what I'm talking about today. And that's what we're going to uncover. So the first thing is, number one, unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to God. Number two, unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to other people. Unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to other people. It makes you a slave to the people that you won't forgive. So let's try to reason this out just a little bit. When I don't forgive, few things happen. Uh, I relive the event over and over and over again in my, in, our, in my mind or in your mind, right? We kind of relive that event over and over and over again. I become a slave to the person who hurt me. I'm preoccupied. My mind is preoccupied with that event, and then maybe thinking of ways to get in a conversation and make them understand, make them feel the way I feel. So we replay the event in our mind, and we're like, boy, if I get a chance to talk to that person, this is what I'm going to say. And there's this whole drama played out in our minds. This whole conversation takes place. Or maybe along with that is you fantasize to get even with that person, too. That's destructive in and of itself, but you become a slave once again to the person who hurt you and who you're not forgiving. 
Or maybe you intentionally hurt that person's reputation. Maybe you have that kind of uh, relationship with them to where you know common people and you start telling the story and talking about the story. And now their reputation has become tarnished. And once again, you become a slave to the person who hurt you. You know, really, you're, you and I, if I do this, we're maintaining an unhealthy connection with this person. It's all-consuming, and it's all-destructive. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but, but if you have, don't you want to be free? Don't you want to be free from those bonds of unforgiveness that leads to bitterness in your heart? I know I do. One of the things that debts carry are interest, Right? If you have a debt, if you have a loan, whatever, it carries interest with that. And the debt kind of can get bigger and bigger and bigger, or it takes you longer and longer and longer to pay it off if you're just doing the minimum payments. They started that a few years ago. Credit card said, hey, if you pay the minimum payment, it's going to take you 56 years to pay this off. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know. Appreciate that. 56 years is a long time. Our unforgiveness is going to make our connection to that person get bigger and bigger and bigger until it consumes your life, your every thought, and realistically, your every action, too, because we can't be that consumed in our lives and not have it affect us. And you know what that's called? That's called slavery. That's called oppression. That's what we're talking about today. It affects more than just you as well. It affects other people. It affects other people around you. I'm going to illustrate that. I have a backpack here. <laughs> this is a backpack, and it's, it's heavy. I don't know. Mike, you want to? I mean, it's kind of heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little heavy. So I'm going to wear this backpack of unforgiveness. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Now, you know, I am not a workout guy, but, you know, I don't feel like I'm in bad shape. I'm in pretty good shape for 54. I don't know. I can carry this thing around, right? But it's more than that. It's more than just ca- carrying a heavy backpack. Now it's carrying a heavy backpack with a dirty old rock, too. So I'm carrying all this unforgiveness around, right? I want to come over. I want to shake your hand, but I really can't because I got this unforgiveness. And, Mike, you guys asked me over for dinner. Well, I guess I can't really eat if I'm carrying around all this unforgiveness in this big rock. And Dan, we were playing Pinochle last night, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so much for your partner. I guess I don't, I don't even know what cards I have. I don't even know what I can play. But this is what unforgiveness does to us in our lives. It cripples us. It hinders us. It weighs us down. And it affects all our relationships in our lives. That's what unforgiveness does for me and for you. If your sins have been forgiven by God, you cannot live in this condition forever. All right? That was a heavy rock, by the way. I'm a little winded. (laughs) Hebrews 12, 15 says this, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. I want to read that again. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. That's what we're talking about. That's what happens if you continue to harbor unforgiveness in your life. 
It will be poisonous. There's an author and speaker, Joyce Meyer, where probably many of us are familiar with her. She has a quote. Go ahead and bring up that quote right here. Unforgiveness is like drinking deadly poison and thinking that the other person is going to die. Now, she didn't come up with that. She's quoting somebody else, but you've probably heard that before. It's like drinking poison and thinking that the other person is going to die. You know, the reality is the other person might not even know. That's the reality. They might not even know. That's why it doesn't affect them. They have no clue. But it's affecting you. It's keeping you prisoner in your life. God wants to set you free. So number one, unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to God. It makes you a debt slave to others. And then finally today, unforgiveness makes you a debt slave to hypocrisy. Well, that's kind of a weird one, Bob. Yeah, I know, but I'm going to get to it. It's all in the Bible. Makes you a debt slave to hypocrisy. Matthew chapter 6 this time. We're going back. We're going back to chapter 6, starting at verse 5. It says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they might be seen by many. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So we're getting ready to get up to the Lord's Prayer that we call it, right? This is going to be springboard to the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, don't heap up many empty phrases like the Gentiles do. No, and Jesus goes on, when you pray, pray like this. So let's go ahead and read the Lord's Prayer. It says right here, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He talked about the kingdom of heaven in that other verse that we we talked about, right? Now here we see the kingdom of heaven. We're praying that should be here on earth as well as in heaven. That's where God's kingdom should be. Then he goes on to say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. You know, we were talking as a teaching team this week, and it's the first time I realized the tense of these two statements. Read that. Forgive us our debts as we have, as we have also forgiven. That's past tense, folks. So Jesus is saying, make sure you've done the work before you even come to me. Do the work of forgiveness and then come to me. I never realized that before that it said that. I think that's pretty powerful. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's pretty important, I think. Forgiveness is a big deal to God. And I think he's talking to us today that for each one of us here in Great Falls and at the mothership in Bozeman is that forgiveness needs to be a big deal to us. Forgiveness needs to be a big deal to us. So who do you need to forgive? Last week we did an activity and I rolled out the can and for those of you that weren't with us, This is filled up with water, well, three-quarters full of water. And there's some 
post-it notes here that were handed out last week, but I didn't hand them out again. But maybe some of you that were here last week need to finish some business. What we did last week is we wrote a name of a person on that post-it note that we needed to forgive and release so that we were free from the bondage that they had over us. And then you write that name down, crumple it up, and you throw it in the water. I'm going to give you opportunity to do that again. We're going to do a worship song here at the end of our time together. And at that time, you can move over there, write that name, and go ahead and throw it in the water. You know, Gene and I were talking about this last week. We had a conversation, and and Gene was talking to me, you know, that she had written down a name and gone over there and thrown it away. And she goes, so what, what did you, what name did you put down? I said, I didn't put down a name. She's raised up her eyebrows at me. <laughs> what? Now, I'm a person with a personality that f- forgives pretty easily. And it wasn't like I didn't, I didn't really think about it. But I had been dealing with it all week long as I was preparing for the message. So I felt that I had done a lot of work, and for me to go over there would just kind of be a show because, you know, I I had already done the hard work throughout the week, and and I just don't want to do something just to do it. It needs to be real. And so I didn't do it. So that night I went to bed and, and slept, and it was a great night's sleep, but I had a dream. And the dream was, as I walked into this place where this person was from my past that I had forgiven, And they were there, and we were interacting and stuff like that. And I can remember thinking in my dream, I'm in a dream. And, you know, I'm having this conversation, and I've forgiven this person, and it's great, but I'm so glad I never have to see that person again. Whoa. So I woke up and was like, okay, I think there's a little more work I need to do here. Because we talked last week about you know when you've totally forgiven somebody when you can see them and wish them well in their lives. You can see them, you can wish them well, and you really mean it. I wasn't wishing them well in my dream, all right? I'm like, thank God I don't have to see them again. No, no, that's not it. So today, I am going to go over there, write a name down, and throw it in, all right? And it's not going to be just a show. It's going to be that God did some more work in my life this week. And I'm wondering if he's doing work in your life as well. It reminds me of Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Isn't that so true? We can lie to ourselves real good. We're good. And then you go to sleep and you have a dream. And then you're like, nope. Not good. Got more work to do. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Which brings me to this, is that we need Holy Spirit's help. We need Holy Spirit's help to do these things in our lives. Forgiveness, like I made mention before, is releasing the debt you believe that somebody else owes you. Here's the bottom line. Forgiveness benefits you. You can't do the hard work of forgiveness on your own strength. We need Holy Spirit's help. We need Holy Spirit's power in our lives. And it's available to us. The Bible says we are the temple of Holy Spirit. So if you're a Christian here, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus today, Holy Spirit resides in you. 
The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. I've heard that before too. I've been a Christian 26 years. Heard that a lot. God's not going to manipulate you or cause you to do things. It's free will. We need to choose to forgive. We need to choose to tap into that Holy Spirit power that we have inside of us or it won't change in your life. I have a Steve Hartman video. I don't know if you watch Steve Hartman at all, but he has some really great videos, and they're, re- they're really good. They're really good. And so we're going to dim the lights. We're going to show you this video. It's a couple minutes long, but it goes well with what we're talking about today. Go ahead and roll that video. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, they are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing her praise of thanks to her audience so of one. Steve Hartman, yes, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. Wow, yeah.
Only God can make that happen. Only God can make that happen. I'm going to ask the band to come forward. Let's go ahead and bow in prayer. Father God, I thank you for that remarkable story, but we know it's all about you. It's all about Holy Spirit power in her life to get to the point to where she realized that to harbor unforgiveness for that event was only going to destroy her. And she needed to reach out and release herself from the prison of unforgiveness, but also to show forgiveness to that young man so that his life might be different. And it is. It is to this day because of that. And so, Lord, I think about each one of us, and and I don't know who we need to forgive in our lives. I know I'm going to walk over and put that name down and throw it into that garbage can, that ocean of forgiveness. But Lord, there might be some of us here that are struggling with this. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage, the strength to do that as well. God, it starts off with forgiveness that comes from you. You've forgiven us. And Lord, there might be some of us here that haven't tapped into that forgiveness. Maybe we've heard of Jesus and his sacrifice, but we haven't said that prayer. We haven't really embraced the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. And so I want to give maybe more than one person an opportunity to do that here this morning. So I want all of us to repeat after me, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. I admit I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And Jesus, you paved the way. I believe you died for me. And you're going to change me from the inside out. Take away my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And as we're still bowed in his presence, it's as simple as that. So God, I pray for those that maybe said that prayer for the first time or maybe it's a reconnection. God, speak to their hearts right now, I pray. And Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you would sift through our spirits and our hearts during this next song. And if there's a name there that we need to release, that you give us the courage to go and do that. And I thank you for this time that we have here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.